Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right, we are on to day two of Head Coach Rankings Week. Yesterday we covered the ACC, so be sure to check that out both in your podcast app and on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, if you do watch on YouTube, be sure to give us a thumbs up and a comment. Uh, share it with a friend who likes college football. We're trying to grow the show this week, putting out a lot of content, so we'd uh, appreciate your help. But let's uh, let's get right into it. Let's start Trey with the the worst coach in the the Big Twelve. Yeah, and probably the worst team in the Power Five. Kansas is Emmett Jones. And, you know, if the, even if this was less miles, I'd probably still have him at at tenth here, anyways. Oh, yeah. Kansas just they're not good. It's a tough hole for them to climb climb out of now. Um, if Jones really ends up being the guy this year, the actual head coach, he's very unproven. He's never been a head coach and only been around college football for the last five years since he was in Texas high school level, the prior about 10. So it was just hard. You can't put him any higher than this. Yeah. And if they do end up hiring, there's some rumors lately, um, that they, you know, are going to try and go get a, a Lance Leopold or Jeff Munkin. If they're able to pull that off, then obviously they'll climb up the list. Don't see that happening. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Uh, all right, let's move on here. Number nine. Uh, we have Matt Wells from Texas Tech. Um, just hard to see any real upside here. It just seems like a tough spot for Matt Wells. Not bringing in really much talent. Not putting the greatest product on the field. Only a few wins the past couple of years. Wasn't super impressed uh, with what he did really at uh, Utah State. Had a couple of good years there after taking over a good program. Um, then he kind of got the middle years were kind of a little lean and finished pretty well, but just wasn't overly impressed. And it just, it just doesn't seem like what can you point to that? Oh yeah, this is where I feel confident in Matt Wells that it's going to work out in Lubbock. It's a tough spot. He's not really uh, moving the needle for me. So ninth seems pretty fair. Yeah. Hard, hard to have him. You know, much higher than that. Uh, number eight on our list is Dave Aranda at Baylor. He had a tough act to follow, of course, with Matt Rule going 11 and three in 2019. Um, and they, they did have very little returning production. Pretty much it seemed like, you know, maybe except for Charlie Brewer, it seemed like everyone was yeah. gone going into 2020. So they were expected to be bad. Maybe not quite as bad as they were. They went two and seven. So not a great start. Um, but like we've said in our previous coaching episodes, 2020 was not a great offseason to be a first year head coach. So I'll give them a little bit of a break. And they did, um, you know, they're a lot, they weren't as bad as I thought they were actually there. You know, when I look back at their schedule, had some close losses. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but for now, eighth is certainly his ceiling right now. Yeah. And I, I, one thing that I, I noticed was he, he did an amazing job, obviously as a defensive assistant, especially at Wisconsin. And, and at LSU, but it was, I found it interesting that in total defense in the four years at LSU, every year it actually regressed. Obviously it culminated where they won the national championship the last year, but it wasn't really thanks to much of the defense. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how he can do it at a tougher program with, you know, a little bit less talent than LSU at, at Baylor. So I'll be, I'll be curious to watch him in the coming years. Okay. Okay. Moving on to our seventh coach, Chris Kleiman of Kansas State. And we all agreed we had him in, pegged in this spot. You know, I was really, really impressed with him after the 2019, his first year at, at K-State. Took a little bit of a step back though last year, four and six, 
and that was even with a win at Oklahoma, which surprised us all. Uh, they're expected to be right around average on offense and defense next year, so I'm not expecting a whole lot. His recruiting classes have been in the, the 50s uh, since he's gotten there, and I just I don't think he's a bad coach whatsoever. I just don't see him quite above the guys that we have ahead at this point. Um, I'm open-minded on him and willing to see what he does, but at this point, this is where we, we put him. Yeah, yeah he, he was kind of belongs. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sure. He he was kind of gifted more of a, a, you know, that first year, a very senior latent team. You know, he had a ton of experience. So, yeah, it was a good year. He did a good job. Um, but you kind of expected at least a decent year. And then the following year, this past year, you you kind of thought it was going to be the opposite. You didn't, you weren't expecting a whole lot from them and they were, they were all right. So the jury is definitely still out on him. Um, you know, they never recruit obviously at a super high level. Um, you just hope you can kind of, he can get into the, that Juco ranks like, uh, you know, obviously Bill Snyder did such a great job of, they have some good talent there in the Kansas area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still, I still think he's a, a solid coach, but yeah, hard to put him much higher than this when you see who yeah. our, our next coach is, Ryan. Yep. Uh, number six, uh, from TCU, we got Gary Patterson. Um, you know, they kind of solid year last year going six and four. I mean, nothing to write home about, but it was an improvement over the previous year. Um, the only thing with him, obviously, he just hasn't been able to, you know, kind of replicate the success that he had earlier in his tenure. He's been there for a long time and experienced some really, you know, big highs, uh, there at TCU. Um, you know, he is TCU really. Um, so I, I do think this year is kind of an important year. Um, he's got enough returning production, some QB coming back. There's, there's reasons for optimism to maybe improve off of what they even did last year going six and four. So if they can get up to eight ish wins, maybe, you know, flirt with the, trying to compete for the, the big 12, uh, you know, championship game, get in there. Um, then all of a sudden Patterson's back on the, on top again, you know, he's been doubted before and he's proven himself again. Can he do it one more time? I'm not sure, but, uh, it's been a little while since he's had one of those magical years. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably, I've been higher on him than, than most for a, a long period of time. And that's mainly just because I'm stubborn and I, I can't erase what he did or what he's done at TCU. I mean, the recent form, sure, has been left a little bit to be desired, but like from 2005 to 11, I know that's 10 years ago, but they won 11 or more games in six of the seven years. They won six bowl games, and that included a Rose Bowl. And and even, I know it's kind of been all or nothing the last seven or so years, but three of the seven, they finished in the top 10, so it's not like they're totally inept. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to give them one last chance kind of this year. And, and then I'm willing to slide him down if, if they do underperform. Yeah. He was one of the tougher coaches to rank, uh, in, in the Big 12 because, yeah, it hasn't been that long, like you said, even, and even more recently than the, than the 10 years. Yeah. You just mentioned he's, he's had some top 10 finishes in the last seven years. So I guess Ryan and I are, are, are more bearish on the, that he's going to have one of those 10 win seasons again. Um, I will say yeah. Kirk Ferentz kind of had a similar stretch to what has happened to Patterson these past three years. So the past three years, Patterson's been kind of mediocre. Ference had a similar stretch in the early 2010s, and since then has rebounded and risen back up the list in the Big Ten. So we'll see if Gary Patterson can do the same. I'm kind of I'm kind of 50-50 on whether it's just sort of his time has passed or if he'll you know have a revival. Right. But moving on to number five, we have Neil Brown at West Virginia and you know, a big part of his ranking comes from what he did at Troy. He won double-digit games 
three years in a row there, which is just insane. So an A-plus job there. And then at West Virginia, took over a tough situation, um, a roster that had lost a lot. So they weren't expected to be good at all in year one. So actually going five and seven was basically meeting expectations in year one, even though it might look bad on paper. Uh, and this last year, six and four, solid season. So he's recruiting decently well. I, I just, I think he's a solid coach and has things going in the right direction there. I'm getting no disagreements. It looks like. I know, Ryan. Yeah, I know, Ryan, I'm with you. Well, I'm with him, but Ryan, I know you've been a Neil Brown guy, so I was kind of expecting you to, if you had any comments on Neil. No, I disagree with Michael. I, he's, there's no like home run things he's done so far in Morgantown, but he's steadily improved him. He's kind of like, you know, weathered the storm right at the beginning of his tenure. You thought it could get really ugly at the beginning with all that massed exodus of players that they had, but did a good job, brought in a, a decent amount of players to kind of fill in the void and, yeah, they could have a pretty good year this year. I was there kind of might be one of my dark horse teams coming into the Big 12 this year. Yep. So so now we kind of get to where I think the pack kind of separated in my opinion and we get to number 4 and that's Steve Sarkeesian of Texas. I I usually don't rank a, a new coach this high maybe on a list especially coming into the conference, a new conference, but I love how he really transformed Alabama's offense and I also weigh in the fact that He's walking into a very good situation. Uh, Herman didn't leave the cupboard bare, so I think he can succeed early. Um, obviously, it, I say I think just because, you know, it is a little bit of an unknown. And the overall, though, as a head coach, he gets a little bit of a bad rap, in my opinion, for his Washington and USC days because, I mean, they were always generally respectable. And then kind of obviously we know now in hindsight he was battling some demons. So I think he's he's at the right point in his career that he could he could be – legit yeah i i do like him i you trey you had him third ryan and i were just a little bit lower um i yeah i like the experience that he has as a head coach because like you said it wasn't he did a pretty good job at washington um i mean hit a little bit of a ceiling there but did a pretty good job and usc was just kind of his grade as an incomplete it was it just you know didn't really get off the ground and um of course had the the personal issues there um but, and I love that he's a great recruiter. I'm sure he's going to kill it in recruiting at, at Texas. But I guess I, I felt even better about Tom Herman when he took over the job. And he did fine, but of course didn't, didn't quite live up to the billing. So I guess I'm just being a little bit more cautious with Sark compared to, you know, a guy like Neil Brown, who has had some recent high level success in the high G5 and even, you know, promising start at West Virginia. Yeah. It's hard to rank a first year. Uh, coach, because I mean, the success for Steve Sarkeesian could obviously be the ultimate on this on this list. I mean, he could win multiple Big Twelve titles. He could be in playoffs. That's the Texas has the highest ceiling of all, so he could rise up to number one, no doubt. Uh, and I I like him. I, I really do. I think that's why I put him ahead of a guy like Gary Patterson and Chris Kleiman, people that have you know done some good things as head coaches where they're at. Um, but Sark has proven his what he did at Alabama. I know they have amazing talent and. You know, they were even good on offense before he got there, but what he did was pretty, pretty crazy to see how, how great those, he got them. So if he can just replicate like a little bit of that at Texas, they're going to be, you know, winning big 12s. And we talk about, uh, sometimes ranking coaches, you, you sort of have to rank the staffs too, because if yeah. they've hired a really good staff, it's going to help make them look good. And I think Sark has done that. He's, uh, bringing in Pete Kwiatkowski from Washington as the D coordinator. Yeah. I think that was a great hire. So brought in some, some of his staff from Alabama too. So yeah, I'm, I could definitely see him being, 
you know, in one or two years, he could be number two on this list very easily or one. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Let's get to the top three. Uh, at number three, we have Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State. Uh, it's it's hard to deny this, man. 15 straight winning seasons in Stillwater. That's, that's, his, uh, that's amazing. That's quite a streak, man, for for Stillwater, you know, for Oklahoma State. That's wow. Uh, one of the most underrated coaches nationally is just doesn't get enough credit for what he's done there. Um, six years he's had of 10 or more wins. You know, he had, the only thing is the only knock is he just hasn't been able to get that recruiting up to a level where he can truly compete with Oklahoma every year, which mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily realistic, but you know, you would like to have seen it after being there for so long, having some really some really darn good years to maybe pop into the top 25 at least or top 20 of the recruiting, but he just never has been able to do it. They're always in the thirties or so. Um, but I mean, you can't, you can't be unhappy with what he's been doing. You just, you, you wish he could, he would be number one if he could have just up, up the recruiting a little bit, but uh, awesome coach overall. He is, he is an awesome coach. He's a wizard. Um, you just, when you kind of think they're going to take a step back, they, they overachieve. And I, I will say he 1000% deserves this ranking, but personally, I just want to see the pokes get over the hump one of these years. They're always, they're always so close, but they, they'll lose to Texas or they'll lose some game that they maybe shouldn't have. And they just can't quite get over the hump. And what was really kind of that year? Yeah. Brandon, we, the, the, yeah, they lost Iowa state. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're just going to constantly be now in this eight and four ish record. I mean, given the, Okie State history. That's not bad, but I think Gundy spoiled these, the Cowboy fans recently to maybe, maybe want a little more. Yeah. The fans are definitely left wanting more. Like this past season, they were a dark horse playoff, uh, contender. At least that's what the perception was before the year. And, but you, you look at it. I mean, eight and three, that's a good season at Oklahoma State, but yet it didn't quite feel like it to the fans because there was, you know, that promise yeah. before the year. So, yep. Um, okay. Moving on to number two on the list, and it is Matt Campbell of Iowa State. He has done as good a job as you can possibly ask at Iowa State. He has them, you know, had them as a legit top 10 type team last year. They've got basically everyone coming back, so they're going to be preseason certainly top 10 and, you know, top seven or eight probably. So that is amazing. I guess the only question is, is do you have him or, or Lincoln Riley number one? Trey and I sided with Lincoln Riley. It was kind of splitting hairs, but I guess the, the one knock on, on Matt Campbell, not even knock, it's just more of an unknown is, is he an elite recruiter? I mean, he's, he hasn't been that at Iowa State, but hard to expect someone to do that there. So at least with Lincoln yeah. Riley, I've seen him at the highest level, um, you know, recruit with the big boys. So. But Ryan, why, why do you have Campbell number one? Yeah, I, I, you know, you talk about recruiting as the one knock. Nobody's gonna, you, nobody's gonna recruit Iowa State high level. It doesn't matter really who you are. I mean, I'm not um, expecting top 10 classes and, and, mm-hmm. you know, but it would be nice for a if, little bit. If he was at Oklahoma, he would be recruiting top 10 classes. No doubt about it in my eyes. Bob Stoops wasn't even doing that at the end. So I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right, but maybe not. Top 15. <laughs> He's well, yeah. Okay. Top fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I or at least I think he would be having the same type of success that Lincoln Riley would. I just give him so much credit for what he's done there. Uh, four straight bowl games, four straight winning seasons in the Big Twelve. This is the best run Iowa State has ever had. Like it's 
clear as day. This is the best run they've had. And, you know, of course, they're going to continue it this year. They should have another really good year. Oklahoma's had great runs before, better than this. this. You know, Lincoln Riley, they've been really good. They haven't really truly been a threat to win the national title. They've made playoffs, but they were never truly like, okay, we're there. I mean, maybe the one year where they barely lost to Georgia, but mm-hmm. that might have been a year. But it's it just feels like they are still a little bit behind. Uh, so I give Matt Campbell more credit for giving Iowa State almost to their level. I mean, they're right there neck and neck every time they play pretty much. So um, if, if you look to head-to-head, that's a big factor too. Iowa <laughs> State's got him, got him a couple times. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I mean, I have no problem putting Lincoln Riley number one, but I just want to give Iowa State and Matt Campbell some love and, you know, put him number one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I don't have I don't have a problem with having Matt Campbell number one. I I I feel like having to take the anti Matt Campbell route here is like yeah. that's not me. I love Matt Campbell, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we of course obviously have Lincoln Riley overall as, as number one, but I respect Ryan for putting Campbell at number one. Ultimately, and I thought about it, but ultimately I didn't have the courage. And the reason, like, I understand that Lincoln Riley in, inherited about as good of a situation as anyone could ask for. But the thing is, is he really hasn't slowed down. Um, they consistently are in the playoff mix, even if they're not maybe a title threat. But he's developing Heisman quarterbacks uh, over and over. Now he's got uh, young Spencer Rattler poised to do the do the same this year. You know, he he's understood that their defense has hindered them, and he's addressed that, and it it has improved a little bit each year. Yep. Um, you know, it's I don't necessarily agree with maybe his overall opinions or his views, and like transferring within conference but but as a coach he he's the man yeah and since he started calling plays at OU the year he the year before he got there actually as an offensive coordinator I think they went eight and five now maybe that was they were probably destined to do better than that anyway but but since he got there as an offensive coordinator the team has finished in the AP poll fifth fifth third fourth seventh and sixth and of course what four of those were as when he's a head coach so it's just and the recruiting has has taken a, a jump up since the end of the Bob Stoops era. I give him credit for that. So, yeah, I, think I mean, to Ryan's point, it's like if you stick if you stick Lincoln Riley at in Ames, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's impossible to predict. I mean, we're splitting hair. It's it's very it is yeah. hard for sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, put up the the list um, for the YouTube viewers of the the top ten here, the all ten coaches in the Big Twelve. What kind of themes jump out to you, Trey? I mean, honestly, I'm really, really interested to see what our listeners and viewers think of the rankings because I feel like there is very little to argue on our rankings at this point. Uh, sure, maybe a spot or two for some guys, but overall, I think as a whole, it seemed pretty straightforward. I, I agree. This was the easiest conference to rank. I, I think there's two, there's only two guys that are like, I could see people moving a couple slots. Gary Patterson. Yep. Because of everything he's accomplished and not being that far removed from being uh, very good. So I, I could see wanting him to be a few slots higher. And then Steve Sarkeesian, that's, you know, I could see wanting him Wild a few card, slots yeah. lower. But other than that, I don't see how you disagree much. Yeah. Yeah, this was a straightforward one here. Um, really not much debate. I mean, uh, the thing with this is like, uh, I think more so than any other conference, we just kind of have seen some of these guys other than Sark. We've seen a lot of these guys at their places, so we kind of have a good feel for them already. Um, so that's why I think to me it was a little easier to rank. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for the uh, the Big 12 head coach rankings. Again, like we've been saying, let us know in the comments below your biggest disagreements. 
Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe here, but also subscribe uh, to our podcast. This week, all the episodes are the same, whether you're watching it or listening to it, but generally we have uh, different contact content on each platform, so appreciate subscriptions to both. Um, other than that, we will be back tomorrow to rank the head coaches in the Big Ten. So, Scott Frost, number one. See you then. Amen. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Now in paperback comes This Is What America Looks Like, the inspiring memoir from trailblazing Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Readers will discover her unbelievable journey from refugee to immigrant to one of the first Muslim members of Congress. Her story is a true multidimensional tale of an inspiring woman and all the hopes, disappointments, successes, and surprises that make up the life of an immigrant in America today. Get your copy of This Is What America Looks Like at hc.com slash Ilhan Omar or wherever books are sold. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today.